everybody. Time to put your headphones on for another Step Outside podcast. Today I'm talking to Channel 7 weather, gold lotto and outdoor television presenter Liz Cantor about surf safety and respect of the ocean. Liz came from a professional surfing background, surfing the world and judging the best and is currently the ambassador for Surf Lifesaving Queensland. Sit back and enjoy this week's episode of the Step Outside podcast. G'day everybody and welcome to another Step Outside podcast. You're with Birdie here and I am joined today by fellow Channel 7 weather presenter Liz Cantor. Hello Liz. Thank you so much for coming over to my humble abode. Humble abode? Man, this is like a beach house in the middle of suburbia. It's incredible. I love it. Oh, we are so lucky to live on the Gold uh, Coast, aren't we? Yeah, we More are. than ever through 2020, I have been so grateful that that's our backyard out there. It, it is. I know. Well, this is the thing. You're, you're like literally a few hundred metres from the beach. Absolutely. You get up in the morning, you've got two kids. Okay, you got Ryan. Hey, Ryan. You got we'll the specify, husband. specify the age of those kids too. Two and just turned four. Is that right? Okay. So it was an interesting Christmas. There was, so you were a surfer on the world tour? Well, I was traveling. I was competing for Billabong right. in Australia. Right. But let's be honest, I was never actually going to make any money out of it or a career out of it. Okay. I kind of was in that limbo between um, it was – at the end of Lane Beachley, but the beginning of Steph Gilmore. Yeah. But there was just such a transition of talent and it was just yeah. top tier. And I think I started too late in life. I started surfing at 16. Is that right? So, okay. but I got knocked out of a national titles early and yeah. rather than sit around there was an opportunity to be on a judging panel right. and I didn't realize this at the time but they work out um the most accurate judge at that national competition right. and the person awarded most accurate judge gets yeah. to judge on the WSL so that's a world tour mm-hmm. panel mm-hmm. for the Quicksilver Pro on the Gold Coast the following year right so lo and behold a girl had never put her hand up for it I was deemed most accurate judge, and they do that. It's like figure skating, where every judge throws a score. There's a panel yeah. of five judges. Yeah. They average the score, so they right. can tell the most accurate judge by who's throwing the most consistent to the correct score, awarded okay. to the surfer. Okay. You're following me? I do. I understand that, yes. <laughs> anyway, I found myself judging the Quicksilver Pro on the Gold Coast, and from there yeah. was invited to continue on the world tour, judging the likes of Lisa Anderson and Lane Beachley. And wow. And, yeah. And, I mean, so you, you, you toured, you travelled, so to speak? Yep. Um, was lucky enough to go to places like Tavarua and Fiji. Yeah. I judged a contest, the Roxy Pro in Cornwall, the UK. Yeah, nice. Um, Hawaii Did they have went to pipeline. Over in, in UK? Uh, cold waves. Cold waves. Yeah, I remember I jumping in the ocean there, and yeah. you like don't an even feel cold. No. You actually feel like your skin is on fire. Yeah, it was wow. the strangest sensation. Have you ever felt that water no. that cold? No. It feels like your skin's burning. Yeah, it's no. really bizarre. But it was a really strange time in my life because I think I was lucky enough to be raised by a dad that really didn't distinguish between genders. So it wasn't an issue for me out in the surf that I was, you know, it's one cool. of few girls and I played cricket and I played yeah. soccer rather than netball and yep. it just I was never aware of it. Yeah, um and fine. so when I started on the world to a panel, yeah. it wasn't even a Big deal to me at the time that I was the only female sitting in a judge of men. I understand. And I guess where I'm transitioning to is when I stopped doing that and when I finished my degree and I always knew I wanted to get into storytelling, um, I looked around and I noticed that there were no women beach and surf reporters. And there was, I mean, really, there was no beach and surf reporters. 
I think Brownie was the only one. Yeah. Back in those days. So there hadn't been a female doing it before, and I thought, okay, maybe there's a gap, and maybe I can bring a different perspective. Yeah. Because you know we've got quarter of a million registered boats, registered boats in southeast Queensland, right? Alone, let alone, you know, north of the Sunshine Coast, throughout northern New South Wales, where people tow their boats to this region. And then we've got people who fish, people who surf. I mean, really, there is a need for this outside stuff, hence the reason why we came up with Step Outside, but also for yourself to provide that accurate detail from someone who's been in the knowledge rather than someone who just pretends to know what they're doing. Absolutely, and I think good news is such a gift as well. And yeah. I remember growing up and I was always fascinated with storytelling and journalism, so I would watch the news. Yeah. And I remember the beach report coming on on a Friday and Saturday night. And it was like that warm blanket feeling of watching yeah, something cozy. that just makes you excited for the weekend That's and what see we what's here. happening there. And Right? You know, and look at all the people from Melbourne. They're all going, I need to buy a house up here, even if I don't see the house, because I don't want to be in Melbourne when you know COVID comes back or <laughs> Shout whatever. Shout out to you, Melbourne. <laughs> Absolutely. Love you, Melbourne guys. Great fishing down there. We'll give you the waves at Bells. <laughs> hell, hell, exactly right. Water temp up here in the middle of winter is still 25 degrees. Oh, but, you know, no, nearly. They're, they're tough surfers. They are tough surfers. We're they? soft up here. <laughs> I, I'll take the soft kind, I'll yeah, tell you right. Too. I'd rather be soft. Um, so that really led you into, obviously, the, the Channel 7 yeah, of being yeah. a beach and surf reporter. There was a news director, Rob Rashke, at the time. Yeah, and love, I reached out guy. to Hi, Rob. Reached out to him, <laughs> and I asked him so many times yeah. to give me a chance to do the beach reports yeah, wow. that back then I was still this Queensland coastal girl who still said water so they had to teach me how to say water right. to start yes. with yeah, okay. but um it got to a point where i'd sent him so many emails asking yeah. i wouldn't even have the chutzpah to do that now but i used to hide in the corridor if i saw him coming because i was like yeah. oh no yeah, i, know, <laughs> I right? just hassled him again this week and he's walking down the corridor but <laughs> to his credit yeah, but look I, where we are today because you know we, we live in paradise and realistically, when you look at COVID, and COVID's around everyone, as you know, uh, unless you're under a rock, um, is that, you know, you look at the UK, you look at Europe, you look at America, like they're just in diabolically bad situations, bad mm. status. Where here in Australia, at least we can still get outside and do things, can't we? Here in Queensland, we've been very blessed. So having the, the beach right behind us, you can still wear the line, still take the kids to the beach, you know, but it all comes down to common sense. If you stay away from people, keep your 1.5, hygiene, all of that common sense stuff. And, you know, Realistically, we can all spend money here in Australia and keep our economy going. Absolutely. I just, I think being outside is so important for mental health too, oh, yeah. especially becoming a mum myself in the last yeah. three years. Um, I've noticed that when those times where I have been stuck at home for longer periods than normal, yeah. I do get antsy and it's participating in sports such as surfing, or yeah. I also love to horse ride, ah. where you're in nature and you have to be 100% present yeah. like you can't be thinking of something else while no. you're riding away you can't be thinking of something else no. or checking your phone while you're riding a horse and correct. it's such a mental break yeah correct i understand that so and, and i totally agree i'm very grateful that through mm. these hard times we've still had the ability to go mm. out mm. bush or go to the beach or yeah. get outside so you know having the, the 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 beach right at our beck and call so to speak a lot of people take it for granted now i do know that you've been doing some work with surf life saving queensland um, and, and I guess there's a, a note that we need to put out there to people. I'd love to talk to you about that. When we're talking beaches, what are the stats there? I mean, this is summer 2020. We're about to come into the new year break. This what is it where you need to look for when you go to the beach? If you're a general person, 
what is it? I mean, besides the flags, but there's a lot of areas that you camp and you still want to go and dip your toe because there may not be a patrolled beach nearby. Well, I guess that for me, it starts with education. And that's why Surf Life Saving Queensland initially reached out to me because I have a young family at the moment. And believe it or not, growing up in Queensland, I wasn't a nipper. I was a surfer. And back then, showing my age again, there was a bit of a rivalry between the clubbies and the surfers. And I was very much on the surfer's side, but now in hindsight, and I've also recognized later in life, a lot of the best surfers on the world tour, such as Joel Parkinson and Mick Fanning, came from clubby backgrounds. And their knowledge of the ocean is incredible. So it's no doubt, there's no doubt in my mind that Mm. my kids will Mm. go through nippers and have that education. Because, I mean, even if we take it back to swim school, Kit is now four and finally swimming independently. But he was quite a cautious kid. Yeah. Totally not my child. (laughs) (laughs) Finn, the other one, is like jump off a ledge, my child. But um, Kit used to be so nervous about going to swim school that sometimes he would make himself sick and I went through a really hard time as a mother driving him to swim school him realizing where he was going bawling his eyes out not crying mum please don't make me do it please don't make me do it which makes it hard hard on you so hard Mm. so I said to the swim teacher I just don't know if I can keep making him do this yeah. I, f- I feel like we might just have to take a break yeah. and just let him reset and she gave me some her opinion which I've really it really impacted on me at that time mm. which was you know if it was soccer and yeah. you were taking him to soccer and he was hating it and crying and didn't want to play then okay stop but swimming mm. is a non-negotiable I agree. It doesn't matter that the child is not having a good time. You yeah. are imparting a skill on it that could save its life. Yeah. So even though it's upset, you aren't being a bad parent making them do no. something they don't want to do. You're being a good parent, giving them skills yep. to survive. That they'll need. In a city which Absolutely. is surrounded by water. Correct. So taking that to the beach, I do think we see an issue of people coming in that have only swum in pools and have that confidence of pool swimming, but don't have that prior knowledge of ocean conditions. Right. Um, People who can't recognize something as a rip, people who see the calmest body of water and think that's where I should go, that looks calm, not understanding that's dragging you out to sea. What does a rip look like? I mean, I know, but you explain to everyone at home because, you know, there's people out there who know what rips are. But there are I imagine ways. most of your audience would know what I, a rip looks, but you can't be assumptuous. No, so absolutely. I, I so look done. for rips because yeah. they're my escalator out yeah. to the lineup to where yes. I want to surf. Yeah. So basically how you spot a rip is a body of water where no waves are breaking. Right. It almost can look like a bit of a calm, you yeah. know, yeah. rumble in the middle of a sea. Yeah. And you jump on that and yeah. you will go out like an escalator right. because that's basically where the ocean is forming a gutter and taking you back out. Correct. You can spot them quite around along surfers. It's quite interesting that where they've built the high rises and especially if there's been a run of um westerly winds so northwesterly or southwesterly the wind funnels through those high rises and it creates rips artificial rips so the surface of course through yes wind affected generated yeah absolutely so you have a look on a after a run of westerly winds through anywhere from main beach down to broad beach where they have all those high rises Mm -hmm. and you'll just see funnels of non-breaking patches of surf going out to sea interesting so and then also rock walls it's really common for rips to run along rock walls so if you go down to Duramba, absolutely you'll see people jump next to the rock walls where you might think why are they going next to a rock wall where you'd consider that to be dangerous but a swimmer wouldn't jump in there 
Well, if a swimmer did jump in there, you, zoop, out you go. Out you go. So if you're in a rip, okay, say you're camping at, on an island around Australia and there's some surf there, you wake up, there are no flags, and you wake up and you go, I want to go for a swim, and you jump in, you get taken out by a rip. Do you, and the most common thing is for people is to fight it, and they go, oh, I see land, and they want to swim to the land, and they panic. Don't panic. Don't swim to land. Surprisingly, you do the opposite. Absolutely. Mm. So the best tip is to relax, mm. go with it, because when you actually get out into the surf, it will release you, and yeah. you'll be able to hopefully get the white water in. But Honestly, yeah. here in Australia with the conditions we have, yeah. I would say if you're not at a patrolled beach or if you're out of a patrolled area and you don't have experience with reading Ability, ocean conditions, yeah. Yeah. you don't go past your knees. Yeah. You just don't. You splash off in the shallows. You keep yep. your feet planted. Yep. Even when you're knee deep, there's the chance of surges or an incoming Correct. tide. Um, the, the ocean, you know, it can be knee yeah. deep one second and the yep. next second it's waist deep. Absolutely. Particularly so, on, big, on big sets, swells. Yeah. Cyclonic weather. So honestly, that's that's mm. my yeah key advice is yeah. if you're not at a patrolled area, you don't go in okay. past your knees. <laughs> but if, if people do go in the drink, the idea, I guess, is to to swim parallel to the beach on an angle. So if you're getting dragged out through the break and you're panicking, you think, oh, I need to go to the beach, go Worst parallel. Absolutely. Because you, will, you, you won't win. Trust me, you'll lose. And some of the stats we've had seven or eight we've had eight drownings so far this, since this financial year wow. eight drownings wow. three beach. of them in the last month these three recent ones have all been males aged between i think 25 to 40. so, middle so age. a father Young. and his brother so wow. uh, a father and uncle who went out oh. to save their child oh. um just heartbreaking and someone celebrating their christmas party in service paradise who decided after the christmas party just to go and have a splash in the surf and wow. celebrate with friends and it's like what we As were saying would. a yeah. surge comes through yeah next minute you've you've been in ankle deep water and you're in chest deep water and yeah. you lose your feet have you nearly have you ever nearly drowned oh i was on a beach down at iluka uh, and I was uh, surfing with a with a mate, and we're on the northern side of the bluff. It's a it's a it's a quality northeast swell break, okay. And when it's like if you got a a low sitting out near Vanuatu or New Caledonia, and you get that you know two or three meter pulse come through, it's just the most it's amazing break. And I was surfing there, and my leg rope broke, right. And and I knew, and I was buggered. And I knew that I was going to be in trouble here because my mate was, he was down the line up further and, and, and I was out there and my board was gone. So my safety device had, had left me. Mm. And I, I started swimming in and there was a monster rip there. But the rip would pull you in, like it'd take you out, but then as you'd come in, it would take you out again, right? You couldn't get through this thing. It was pretty bad because it was a big wave. And you've got to think, everyone, when you have a surf come in onto the beach, all of that water, all that energy has got to displace. It's got to move. Mm. So it gets ripped out. As those waves come in, it gets ripped out. And that was me. I was going in, out, in, out, in, out. Oh, until, gosh. And I was, I was so close to being, I was exhausted. And I, and I came in on a slightly different angle, maybe like two degrees from where, and I saw up like a, a, a casuarina tree. Mm. And I thought, I'm just going to go up a bit from that. And, and, I, and I body surfed this wave in and I, and I landed on the sandbank, on the back bank. Ugh. And there were no sets and, and I stood up and I had enough time to, to get my breath and my energy back. 
that I sort of pushed up along that bank there and then I swam in with the gutter into the rip but parallel to the beach and it took me down onto the, to the, to the sand and I lay there like a dugong for like what felt like an eternity and that was me and I thought I, I, I was going to die. Yeah, it's that petrifying it. in that, that moment. Scary. There's no one there. It wasn't patrolled. It was a surf beach. I think it's an incredible beach, but yeah. it's a heavy wave there too. Very heavy. Really heavy. Very. Tell me yours. So mine, um, I'm not a fantastic swimmer. No, <laughs> I'm not a very strong I'm swimmer. I'm 117 I love my kilos. I've got to have a board. Yes. <laughs> right? So You have to grease so fast, but I, I am oh. a big guy. <laughs> no, no, I so, you know, I, I do sing. I sing like a rock, right? <laughs> yeah, I understand that. <laughs> um, I was dating a South African surfer for a little while and he was really good in that he was pushing me to challenge myself with my surfing more yeah. but we had this conversation and it was coming into cyclone season yeah. and I was saying to him I'm terrible at holding my breath I actually right. am scared of being in big surf because when I get pinned down you get anxious um yeah and I just don't have a huge lung capacity no. and he said it's in your head he said you'd be surprised you can hold your breath for so much longer than you think it's a mental thing so we practice you know like a little bit of yeah. meditation and being calm and you know, wiping out and always relaxing. And so it was big. It was, I reckon, three meters. We wow. took a jet ski out to Kira Point yep. and I couldn't pad out, paddle out in those conditions, yeah. but they were going to do, they convinced me, you can do step-offs and we'll pick you up at the end of the wave. Right. So you won't even get waves on your head. Okay. Stepped off, yeah. pulled in, wave came down on me, went down, relax, you're in your happy place. Yeah, you're floating, your board's tombstoning up top. <laughs> yeah. And then I just keep getting sucked down and down and down. And then I feel that, that I'm on the sand and I was like, okay, I need to push up off the sand now, like yeah, yeah. send myself up because I must yeah. be pretty deep if I'm on the sand. And I try to push off the sand and it was just like this weight still on top of me, oh, holding wow. me onto the sand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I finally got up and I just, I was no, hell yep. no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't care what you say about <laughs> yeah. it being a mental thing. I cannot hold my no. breath that long. Yeah. I cannot surf these waves. You still anymore. had your board on the, on, the, on the leg rope? I can't even remember what my board was doing at that time. Wow. I think I was pretty close to blacking out. All I can remember is wow. the feeling of being pinned to the ocean floor yeah, and yeah. the weight of the water on top of me, which no one had ever spoken to me about. But I guess it had a real, yeah. you know, Kira can get very yeah, sucky yeah. down yeah, it there. Does. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. Luckily, I've driven a jet ski yep. most of my life and I've yeah. done a lot of jet ski work yeah. in Fiji or yeah. when we were on tour, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I said to them, I'm not surfing this. And they were like, all right, you drive the ski and we'll just surf. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm comfortable with that. Yeah, sweet. As I stayed out there, the sets just kept getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, wow. It reached about four meters at least. Yeah. All of a sudden, the Channel 7 helicopter's above me. Yeah. There's a Channel 10 helicopter and I'm thinking... I am so frigging out of my league. <laughs> and this wide set comes through at yeah, Kira. So wow. I'm, I feel safe at Kira because you can just go wide around the break. Always hang wide if the sets are coming. Then this wide set comes in. I'm like, where the hell do you go when there's yeah. – it's I'm, breaking on the reef set yeah, wide. Yeah, I'm like, big. So I just – I was like, there's no shame in wanting to live. I really yeah. enjoy life. <laughs> I banged it yeah. into Green Mount Beach. I just bailed on them. I was like, you guys do your breath yeah, yeah. control thing. You're <laughs> fine out there. Drove the ski to Green Mount yeah, Beach, yeah. drove it up the beach. And I see the, the beaches were closed. Yeah. The lifeguard comes down with lights flashing. Yeah. 
and he gets out the car and starts running towards me and I'm running towards him and I'm just going, please don't make me go back out there. Because <laughs> I know you're not allowed no. to drive a jet ski in yeah, Greenhouse no. Beach. Yeah. And he looks at me and he goes, what the hell? I thought you were a bloke with a ponytail. <laughs> and I was, wow. So he didn't make me go back out there. I said, okay. I'm really sorry. I've yeah. been an idiot. Yeah, I yeah. have gone out beyond my means. Yeah. And we had to organise like someone to actually drive a trailer, trailer down, down on the beach. Green beach. I was mortified. Wow. Yeah, but that's big. It was too it's, big to be honest. And when, it, when it breaks out the back, it is a scary because it's a it's a wall of water, mm. you know. And jet skis are great, but at the same time, it's pretty hard to get over six foot or eight foot. Absolutely, wall of water. Yeah. and I know it's how cool. to read a point break. Yeah, up to two meters, but I can't read the ocean anymore when it's above. Three and a half, four meters. It's, it changes. It does. It changes all the time because it depends on the on the swell direction on the swell. Mm. Okay, and I know for our, we had a cyclone. Well, not a cyclone. We had an east coast low form two weeks ago, so beginning of December, and it was more east. It was coming in at about eighty five to eighty seven degrees. So it was breaking wide off Snapper Rocks. It was breaking literally half a kilometer, maybe a kilometer to the north. Okay, That's as really it would hit unusual. that bank, yeah, mm. and then it would wrap in and break all the way through to Kira Point. So they were breaking really wide. Like it wasn't coming in northeast; it was coming in east, and then it was sort of a little bit more south of east. Just a freckle as the days went on, you know, because the, the low went further south. But um, it was a different break, and it changes if that swell comes in on different angles. You can really get caught out. Yeah, and see, I grew up at Noosa, mm. um, so I Lovely was quite. Spot beautiful spot but I was quite spoiled in surfing Noosa National Park because right. for those that know granite tea tree even yeah. National Park itself Point, first point, great, yeah. they don't yeah. really change in the no. way they break they right. do get bigger inside but they yeah. always hug into the National Park so no yeah. matter what if you're a bit out of your league you can paddle wide yes and you're in that bay yeah so you can get Beautiful. yourself out of trouble. Absolutely. So I've, I'm, Just you and the other 500 people. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I think I've become a bit overconfident yeah. there. I've never had to surf places like Bells where if you miss the mark to get into the beach, you're on the rocks. Yes. Or yeah. I learned that lesson at Gary once. Yeah, so okay. Isn't that a fun lesson to learn? And Gary is such a, an iconic break, isn't it really? Oh. Like, you know, it's... Um, Heaven on earth. It is. No wonder why, you know, Gordon Merchant lives down there mm. as well. So it's one of those places that it, it, it just has... But it screams sharks. It has the ability to have great surf, but it has the ability to hold great sharks. Let's lots of them. Not talk about sharks. Let's in this talk podcast. about sharks in this podcast because how do you feel when it comes to being out there and sharks? Have you had a close encounter yourself? Twenty twenty changed me, to be honest. Right. I was really confident in regards to sharks, and my dad's um he's a bit of a greenie by nature, and yeah. he'd actually done a bit of education with us about um, if we did encounter a shark about being vertical as opposed to horizontal because if you see a lot of people in the water with a sharp vertical it confuses them horizontal right. is okay. fish yes. same species as them verticals Turtles. not okay right. um not going away from them always facing them eye to eye right. okay. so basically i mean it's one thing to have it in theory another yes. thing to put it into practice but True. i knew i had the theory there right um and my opinion was here in southeast queensland you have to be kind of in a silly place at a silly time and have a lot of bad luck in that it's an aggressive natured shark such as a bull, a white pointer, you're off tiger, North Point Warden, tiger. Yeah. yeah. It's just a lot of bad luck. I agree. Um, However. What happened at Greenmount yeah. knocked me for six. Yeah. It was in the middle of a lineup. It was a safe, heavily populated location. 
it was getting late afternoon, but it, it wasn't yeah. quite dusk yet. No. You would still think it was in a safe hour to be out in the water. True. I still, I can't explain it. It wasn't even a go up and take a bite and back off, that's not fish. It, it was a savage attack. Yeah. So mm. I have been reading a lot in the paper. You would know better than me that there has been an increase in populations of sharks in this area of not, late? Not really. Um, look, I, there's a lot of sharks out there, period. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, as a fisherman, there's a lot of sharks out there. It's, it becomes more noticeable when a fisherman takes video of the shark. So we had a trawler guy um, who videoed this lineup of sharks behind his trawler. He went out, he caught all these amazing prawns and seafood coming in, the sharks behind his boat, and he videoed it and it went viral. Saw it on Seven News. Absolutely. Um, so, but that's been happening since I was a kid. Okay, the sharks are getting more, particularly for white pointers. Now, we look at a white pointer, okay? We look at a whale. Let's start a whale. Whales are a protected species. When I was a young fellow going out here fishing off the coast, east coast of Australia, is we would go fishing and never see really a whale. You might hear of one. Wow. It was incredible. Because whaling stations was in the 50s, early 60s on Tangaluma, right? So the whale species in that particular style of whale, being the humpback, was decimated. Okay, so you never saw a lot. But now they're protected species is we've got 38,000 travelling up this east coast alone, let alone the west coast, let alone the Pacific, South Pacific, Indian Ocean. We've got to look everywhere. And then you put the white pointer, the apex predator, below the killer whale, which we get a few killer whales here, but they're not worried about at the moment anyway. Um, but the white pointer can have its pups every, you know, let's say three or four years of its gestation of, of, of eight, nine months, whatever it might be. Um, but they are a protected species, therefore they're overpopulating the water with great white sharks that cannot be hunted, targeted or caught. Right. So when you have one that turns into two, that turns into four, turns into eight, 16, 32, 64, etc., is that shark then becomes a problem. When you have 38,000 whales moving up the coast and you have that shark after its food source being whales, one thing leads to another. So... We have more sharks of that particular species. Uh, tiger sharks, they're the same, same. You mm -hmm. know, people go out and catch tiger sharks and you know, they're around in summer during the warmer currents. Bull sharks, they're always here. And they've always been here in great numbers. Again, phones, media really pushes that shark hard. And they are a bad shark, but bull sharks, for everyone out there, have really poor eyesight. Okay, so that's why they live in the, in the brackish waters and canals. Yeah. They can live for thousand miles up the Amazon in fresh water, right? These things. So they, they, when they hunt, they go left to right, left to right, and they're sending out through the receptors like a, like a submarine beam. And when something bounces back like a mullet or a fish and it comes back, he then changes his angle and he starts swimming left to right, left to right, until he gets that Trawling. pinpoint. Correct. And then if you're kicking, if you're a swimmer and you're kicking on the surface and they're looking for those fast-moving fish such as a, a trevally, um, is they hone in on that, on that hit and they bite. Mm -hmm. And then you'll get bit on your leg. You don't die from a shark attack of anything like that. You die from general blood loss mm. and drown because you've just been bitten, you're bleeding out. Okay? Sharks let you go. He's not attacking you and ripping a leg off or an arm like a tiger shark. He would, he would let go, but you've suffered a pretty severe wound. So bull sharks are bad, but that's the reason why we're seeing more sharks per se during winter mm -hmm. being 
Uh, you look at Boron Bay. Of course, uh, Whale season. Boron Bay, correct. Can I run a theory past you that I, I wondered about? Because yeah. there definitely were more sharks spotted along the Gold Coast waters this year. Mm. There was COVID. There yeah. was a restriction of aeroplane traffic. All The flight path that usually yep. runs over the ocean completely yep. stopped. The skies were empty. Correct. There were no big boats out to sea. There were no cruise yep. ships. Yep. Do you think a lack of human noise pollution encouraged them to come in a little bit closer this Maybe. year? Maybe I just wondered. There just there seemed to be a lot more marine life everywhere this year. In the middle of COVID, our boat ramps and our waterways, 250,000 registered boats, by the way, <laughs> is more than, is I've never seen boat ramps as busy as I did on some of the best days that we had during COVID is in best weather days. Mm. Unbelievable. So fishing was still allowed during that time. Absolutely. You could commercial go out, fishing. You could go, commercial fishing was allowed, but you could uh, recreationally go out only to catch fish. You couldn't go out there and put an umbrella on the back of your boat and lay down and get a suntan. Uh -uh. You'd get fined. You could go out there and sustainably source fish for food. Mm -hmm. Okay, everyone was going to Costco and all the supermarkets and buying, you know, buying toilet paper, rice, you know, food items of longevity. Okay, but they were saying, right, you can go out and catch a fish. So everyone just put a rod in the back holder of their boat, put a yabby on it and threw it out in the water and didn't care and just then put the umbrella up. Yeah. <laughs> so th that's how it worked. But people could still go out boating and still thousands went out fishing. We were talking about <laughs> drowning. And yeah. another thing that I wanted to ask you with mm. this opportunity today is that surfing like Surf Life Saving Queensland mm. have gone pretty hard with um, she'll be right, won't save your life. She'll be right, mate, mm -hmm. won't save your life. A campaign targeted at blokes older, yep. your age, yep. or like over 20, yeah. that are the ones that are going out and finding misfortune in the ocean. Why yeah. do you think that group of people seem to be the highest stat at the moment for drownings? I, I think maybe because there's a lot of people who come up here for a sea change, a life change. And you talk to a lot of people when we're doing our weathers and all that sort of well, stuff. You, you talk to people from a distance and say, hey, stay your 1.5, but where are you from? And they go, Melbourne, welcome to Queensland. The next day they're out swimming. I think if you have a look at, and I'm not being disrespectful to anybody here, but if you have a look at the nationality of people and get a breakdown of to where they're from, or where they've resided or lived before, it may give you a clue as to their idea or their skill set of ocean. If a person is from the bush, you put a city boy that goes to the bush, okay, and you need to go and shoot a roo or kill a pig, skin it to get the foxes come over and knock them off, is you gotta have a skill set. It's the same deal if you come to the beach. I think if you break that down, you'd probably get some sort of demographic idea as to who is who in the zoo and as to why. Would a Gold Coast to go out and drown if you've lived here and done it your whole life? There's a chance, yes. Common sense prevails, I believe. And I'd like to think that. Mm. Absolutely, that makes sense. There's a new movement as well about always having a mate with you. There's, yeah. there's been quite a few heart attacks. I think they're the only ones that have been it's, local drownings this yeah, year. Yeah, and that's difficult. If you always have a mate with you, um, you know, we look at the uncle and the father or the brother mm. and the dad who passed away. You drink. can be, if someone's uncontrollable in the water, they'll pull you down and you're both, you're both gone. It's a real tough situation. That's why you need to drive this home to people wherever you are listening to this podcast is that 
you know, if you're if you're if you're driving on a road and you see a kangaroo stop in the middle of the road in front of you, do you swerve to the left or right while you're doing a hundred? No, because you'll hit a tree and there's a good chance you'll take yourself out. You plow into the thing, okay? Do you, when you're out in the ocean, if you have no idea, do you go out and try and save someone or do you sit back and try and get help? It's a hard one to call. It really is. Absolutely. I know just recently with Kit in the pool when he's on top of me and like wrestling with me and it's it's hard to get up and swim a four-year-old. So I can't imagine Mm. trying to swim an adult back to shore in rough conditions. It would be so hard. It would be so hard. And the surf lifesaving... Respect to lifeguards and lifesavers. This is what they are trained to do. Liz, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and thank you so much for your time. We will chat to you again next week as we chat to more colourful characters around this magnificent country of ours. (laughs) 